This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. For the last time, Gavin, the guy in the cat person story in The New Yorker, he's not me. The story's fictional. Yes. The following podcast contains obscenities and profanities. I told him to move on. But he continues to use profanity. That is, if you've absorbed enough profanity. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When the racist theo-fascist pedophile still not nearly half the votes, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bloodzone, and this is a Friday, December 15th, 2017, one more for the road edition of the show, where we finally get the tiniest glimmer of hope in the endless night of 2017. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by black voters, who say, you're welcome. The black voters have been the reliable and dependable base of the Democratic Party for nearly eight decades, and we just saved your ass again. And we think it's time you stop taking us for granted. And don't think that Obama makes up for all your shit. That was nice, but come on, it wasn't enough. Black voters would like you to know we're here for you, but that shit's got to go both ways. Come next year, you'll be looking towards us and asking for help, and we'll be looking at you to do right by us. Remember that shit. The black voter, keeping Democrats afloat since 1933. Use the promo code RESPECT at election time and elect some fucking black people. Many do not share the vision of those who built this country. Today we no longer recognize the universal truth that God is the author of our life and liberty. Abortion, sodomy, and materialism have taken the place of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We have stopped prayer in schools. We've murdered over 60 million of our unborn children. We've redefined marriage and destroyed the basis of family, which is the building block of our country. Our borders are not secure. Our economy is faltering under an enormous national debt, and we have a huge drug problem. We've even begun to recognize the right of a man to claim to be a woman, and vice versa. We have allowed judges and justices to rule over our Constitution, and we have become slaves to their tyranny. Immorality sweeps over our land. Even our political process has been affected with baseless and false allegations which have become more relevant than the true issues which affect our country. 2017 has been a bad year. I mean, it could have been a much worse year, but by sane standards, it was a bad year. We've been rocked time and time again by things we simply could not imagine. The swearing in of a mentally unstable moron to the highest office in the land, the attempted demolition of the Obama legacy, the looming specter of nuclear war, and the looming specter of the impeachment of the president, and how the president seems unfazed by both these things. Top this thing off with a fidget spinner fucking fiasco, and this year was more like, I don't know. I'll see you spend a year in living hell. But I'm not here to lament on the agonies of 2017, but to rejoice in its ending. And it is ending in a moment fit 
for a year like 2017 as we see a Democrat take Jeff Sessions' seat in the United States Senate. I mean, seriously, this is fucking amazing. I was fully prepared to see an American Taliban child-molesting nutjob win. And somehow, rational, decent, centrist Democrat Doug Jones pulled it out. How did this happen? You better love black people. Let me pass a message to all my pasty, honky-ass friends out there. You sit down right now and you handwrite a fucking thank you card to every black voter in Alabama and put that shit in the mail first thing tomorrow morning because the only reason we do not have Roy fucking Jesus freak pedophile more in the fucking Senate is that black people saved our cracker asses again. White people. Am I right? I don't want to get all happy here because everyone was okay with Roy Moore being virulently anti-Muslim, ragingly homophobic, clearly racist, and very much about shoving his religion down people's throats like Loy shoved terrified teenage girls' hands down his pants. Hell, that's why he was so popular in the first place. And he still got nearly half the vote because this election was no blowout. And that says something about Alabama and America. But maybe, just for a minute... I decided for this one show not to be such a... Because you're a huge boner. You're like a huge, huge boner. And just fucking enjoy the moment and maybe a little bit hopeful for the future. Let's talk about the big fucking loser in this election. Let's talk about Roy fucking Moore, who still believes God will somehow reach down from heaven and anoint his child-molesting ass a senator of the United States. Because Jesus wants it that way. No, seriously, as we heard in the show intro... Roy has not, as of this recording, conceded the election despite the Alabama Secretary of State pointedly saying that it was over. I don't know that Judge Moore is coming here. I'm not expecting mm -hmm. that. I'm expecting other people from the media to come here. Uh, I'm not very comfortable in visiting with Judge Moore or anybody in his campaign tonight. Mm -hmm. uh, the people of Alabama have spoken tonight. They've made their voice heard loud and clear. I think the most important thing to remember now is that the process needs to be followed to ensure that the integrity, the safety, and the security of the election is preserved. And that dude backed Roy Moore for Senate. He ain't no liberal plant. Roy's state of delusion is fucking delicious. I mean, if you can't get Mike Huckabee to say keep going, who tweeted earlier this week, God wasn't registered to vote in Alabama, but the people who voted did speak, and it wasn't close enough for a recount. And elections, everyone does not get a trophy. I know this firsthand, but it's best to exit with class. That came from fucking Huckabee. I'm an atheist, and even I know that Jesus would kick Roy Moore right in the fucking nutsack and drag his ass out of his last supper because Bible Jesus hated motherfuckers like Roy Moore. Which brings us to Roy's supporters. Boy, they seem pretty angry about something. Yeah. They are so filled with rage blaming that it's hard to read their comments without getting a little snug in the groin area. They blame George Soros. They blame Mitch McConnell. They blame the liberal media. God damn do they blame the media. And of course they blame the ever popular voter fraud. Many on the tweeters calling on the Trump daddy to come down and investigate all the voting fraud them Dems done, Dems done did. Probably because them colors were shipped in from Mississippi. Fuck you, Bill Mitchell, you sick son of a bitch. And oh God, does Steve Bannon look like a douche right now or what? Fucking Peter King called him up. This guy does not belong on the national stage. He looks like some disheveled drunk that wandered onto the political stage. Uh, th he does not represent anything that I stand for. I consider myself a conservative Republican. I consider myself an Irish Catholic. And he sort of parades himself out there with his weird uh, 
alt-right views that he has, and to me it's demeaning the whole governmental and political process. And Peter King is a sack of shit himself, so he would know. The so-called mastermind of Trump's victory went balls deep on Roy Moore, only to find his boy booted from contention like he was booted from the Gadsden Mall food court. Food court is sticky. I mean, my evil twin from Breitbart declared war on the GOP, only to find that when you fuck your friends over, they don't want to be your friends anymore. And right now, no one in the GOP would piss down Steve Bannon's mouth if his tonsils were on fire. All I can say is it could not have happened to a worse fucking person. His Fingali-like personas and fucking tatters, his candidates lost across the board in every election since 2016, and rumor has it his fentanyl isn't working anymore and he can't find anything stronger. Fucking Bannon looks like a goddamn loser, and this hurts him. It hurts him more than anything has ever hurt him before, and I'm savoring every fucking second of his agony. And finally, we come to the biggest loser of them all. The one with the literal most to lose, his job and maybe his freedom, Donald John Trump. This guy, his dick was smacked so hard in Alabama, he lost twice. He can't get it up with a bucket full of Viagra and a dozen Russian strippers pissing on each other. First, he endorsed Big Luther Strange, the interim senator appointed after striking a deal not to prosecute the disgraced former governor who gave him a job and then resigned in disgrace. Big Luther lost to Moore in the primary, big league, after Trump endorsed him, and then Trump pussyfooted around with Moore until Uncle Pervy's preference became public, clammed up, only to fully endorse Moore in the waning days when it looked like he was going to disgrace the state and the nation by winning, but somehow, Roy Moore found a way to... He'll blow it, man. To date, Trump's records for endorsements are really, really shitty. I mean, being given the nod by the Donald is like being kissed by your angry Italian brother at the wedding reception. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. And the door is now open for Democrats to take the Senate and the House in 2018. It'll take work, but with big wins under their belt and a growing tide of disgust with the bloated orange pus bag, a lot of Republicans are looking at Donnie and wondering if he's going to drag the entire party under the bus with him come 2018. Definitely. For sharks. For a president to be so stunningly unpopular at a time of relative peace and prosperity and in the first year of his term is unprecedented. For that same president to be stunningly unsuccessful at any major policy initiative is almost as rare. Don should be very worried that his boys in the GOP will throw him under the bus before he can drag them down, which would be a win for everyone, really. Except, you know, for Donnie. Speaking of winners... Let's talk about Doug Jones. They say this new white boy is smooth. I won't say he ran a perfect campaign, but he ran a damn good one. He walked razor-thin lines that somehow stayed on it. He had to do six impossible things before breakfast every day and still found some time to stop at Milliways. If you've done six impossible things this morning, why not round it off with breakfast at Milliways, the restaurant at the end of the universe? He had at the same time to bring out his base, which exclusively black voters, and make himself tolerable to suburban white people. He was openly pro-choice, which is just insane in Alabama. Doug Jones should not have stood a fucking chance in Alabama. But from the word go, he was polling with implausible striking distance of Roy Moore. Once Roy's visit to the junior prom became public, Doug went from miracle long shot to, holy shit, we think this guy might win. Make no mistake, pod friends, there was no way in hell Doug Jones would have won against pretty much any other Republican who could freely enter an Alabama mall. Despite his being a decent, honorable, professional, competent man and politician who would serve with honor in the Senate. 
He earned this spot. He will be a good senator. But damn dude was lucky. The second big winner in this race? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus did not want this guy repping him either. Now, Jesus tried his best to stay out of the race, but Roy kept bringing him up. No matter how many times Jesus called up Roy, just begging him to... Leave Jesus Christ alone! <laughs> I mean, here's Jesus kicking it in heaven trying to get his work done, and this shitbag perv keeps invoking his name to justify everything from the subjugation of women to the extermination of the gays. It was a PR nightmare for Christ. In the old days, Roy Moore would have been on the receiving end of a mysterious meteor strike, but these days there's so much paperwork and getting authorization for one, Jesus didn't want to bother. So right now, Jesus is feeling pretty good about Roy losing, even though he's getting a lot of customer feedback from Roy and his followers. And if I were them, I might back the fuck off because Jesus got connections to the management and could probably cut through the fucking red tape. Another big winner, the voters of Alabama. Not all of them. True, just barely over half of those that could be bothered to even show up. But the spillover effect will benefit everyone in the long run because Alabama has enough shit going on which gives us good reason to mock them as savagely as we do, what with them being 47th in healthcare and dead last in public health, 47th in education, 45th worst economy. I mean, all Alabama has really going for it is not being Mississippi. So adding a theocratic little nut job to the Senate delegation who happily spews whatever batshit crazy crosses his mind could only make a bad thing worse. So really, this is a win for all Alabamians, but mostly for the black folks who saved everyone else and will receive no further thanks whatsoever from anyone. We gotta take a minute here to talk about the black voters of Alabama who came out and voted in the strongest numbers this election. They are why Roy Moore will not be trolling the Tyson's Corner Center hot topic looking for a date come next year. Why, you a pedophile? Allegedly. We owe the black voters our thanks, but no, make no mistake, they did it for themselves. Roy's been pretty clear about his opinions on the Civil Rights Act, and putting him in an office would be a huge mistake for African Americans everywhere. So, thank a black person, and let them know. America loves black people. And the last of the big winners is all of us. America! Because if there's one thing we know about the contemporary Republican Party is that they can't learn from their mistakes. This isn't the last Roy Moore we've seen because it isn't the first Roy Moore we've seen. That's really rare. If it's a legitimate rape, uh, the female body has ways to try to shut that whole thing down. And in the heat of the Me Too moment, a lot of politicians are going to go down and the GOP has to replace them and their field is fucked. Thanks to Bannon, more and more mores are going to pour out and that helps the Democrats and that helps us all. From the Atlantic, quote, in 2018, we're going to be playing a lot of defense, says Alex Conant, a Republican strategist and former longtime Rubio advisor. To the extent that we're defending open seats with flawed candidates, we're going to see more results like we had last night. Going on the offense in 2018 is going to require extraordinary battle-tested candidates. But of course, the dynamics of that made it possible for more to win the Republican primary in Alabama are unlikely to change in 2018. And the consequences of the GOP nominating a slate of toxic standard bearers could rever reverberate well beyond the midterms. You're going to have a lot more fringe candidates continue to run, said Nick Everhart, a Republican consultant based in Ohio. And nationally, you'll inherit their problems as a party unless you distance yourself and just say no. That's the question that I have. At what point 
does the National Party have to say, just because you win the nomination doesn't make you ours, unquote. The GOP has a problem on the hands, folks, and the precedent to let them know what's coming. They have a base full of rabid, mouth-breathing racist fuckwits because that's who they pitched themselves towards over the last 40 years. They have a staggeringly unpopular president with no end in sight for relief. They have a wave of anger building up in the electorate, and they are staring down the barrel of an electoral landslide that will bounce them from power and a lot of them from office. How do I know this? All this has happened before. That will happen again. Which brings us to our way back. Our way back this week takes us to January 19th, 2010, and a special election is going on in a safe, safe, safe blue state in Massachusetts to replace the venerable Senator Ted Kennedy, who died the previous August. The idea that Republicans could snatch this solidly Democratic Senate seat had been unthinkable, yet... GOP candidate Scott Brown had closed the gap between him and Democrat Martha Coakley. Coakley was not a particularly popular candidate in the state, nor was she even a good candidate. Yet the strong tradition of Democratic senators from Massachusetts made the idea of Brown winning unlikely, boring unlaughable. Sound familiar to anyone? And more importantly... There was a lot riding on this special election. The Democrats at the time had 60 votes in the Senate, and Obamacare was on the line, and they had to win this election. But they didn't. The problem for Coakley and the Democrats in general was twofold. First, the party in the, the, party in the White House generally loses midterms and special elections by a wider margin. But more than that, after the economic collapse of 2007 and the slow rego- recovery, the bitter battles over how to deal with that fallout and recovery and the equally bitter battle going on over Obamacare created a wave of anger towards Democrats in general and Obama in particular. Since they couldn't vote Obama out, they voted Republicans in and in a big way. Scott Brown was the first shot in what would become the wave election of 2010. President Barack Obama admitted that he had been humbled by the worst Democratic midterm election in 70 years, and then he promised to work alongside the revitalized Republican Party in Congress. After what uh, I'm sure was a long night for a lot of you, uh, and needless to say, it was for me, uh, I can tell you that you know, some election nights are more fun than others. Some are exhilarating. Uh, some are humbling. Over the last two years, we've made progress. But clearly, too many Americans haven't felt that progress yet. And they told us that yesterday. Yeah, I think we know how that turned out. The Democrats lost more than 50 seats in the 2010 midterm in the House. They lost six in the Senate's. Republicans romped through state houses and governorships across the country. Obama called it a shellacking. He should have called it a fucking... I was going to make a prison rape joke, but that's not a very... PC thing to do anymore. What essentially happened is the GOP curb stomped the Democrats. And the Republicans are looking at 2010 and then looking at 2018 and saying to themselves, This is real bad, man. Obama's approval ratings going into the 2010 midterms were not great. 
I mean, not great, but in Obama-adjusted terms, they were hovering in the mid-40s. Trump would cream his suit pants for such good ratings. Trump will likely be hovering in the mid to low 30s because that's all the people in this country that think the orange lunatic is doing a good job. And frankly, even some of them are beginning to wonder if maybe, just maybe, I've made a huge mistake. 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 You've made a huge mistake. I mean, even in Alabama, they're asking themselves, it's possible a deeply corrupt, mentally deficient, Russian-owned man-child might not be the best idea for president, according to the exit polls. There's so many factors going into next year's midterms, and being in the prediction business is a no-win situation. But one of the things we've seen over and over again is people are sick and tired of this shit, and they want it to end, and they want it to end quick. Democrats are pissed off right now, and they are voting. I mean, in numbers that look like general election numbers. Virginia was way, way up from their norm. Alabama was a midterm level for a special election weeks before Christmas. No one can promise you a wave election in 2018 on the levels of 2010 or larger, but the signs are there and the Republicans are scared shitless. Why do you think they're rushing this fucking tax bill through? They're looting the fucking place before they scarker off for fucking Canada. I mean, Ted Cruz right now has got to be shitting himself because Ted Cruz is the most hated man in the Senate and he needed Roy Moore to come in and make him look sane. But if a Republican can lose in Alabama, then the oozing elder god of smarm and dickishness that is Rafael Edward Cruz could go down in Texas to a popular local politician with strong grassroots supports and a national wave. And that is exactly what he's facing right now. Will he lose? Probably not. But for the first time, he's forced to consider that he could lose. But you're the future and that frightens him. It's a tough map for Senate Democrats. But Doug Jones took a lot of pressure off them to retake the Senate. And the idiot GOP themselves are all but assuring they lose the House next year. The Obamacare repeal, the tax bill, where they've openly said they're jerking off their donor class. It's like they want to lose. We need three seats in the Senate and 24 in the House. And even without a massive wave election, the Democrats are a good bet for the House. With a wave election, shit, things can get real. Raham Salam wrote in Slate, quote, Do Republicans have a death wish? Looking back at the last decade during which the party has forsaken opportunity after opportunity to address the needs of lower and middle class voters, the only logical answer is, it sure looks that way. When Paul Ryan declares that we really need to start cutting Medicare and Medicaid just days after the Senate passes a massive tax cut for high income households, is he really telling us that he's ready to retire to Kenosha? I wouldn't rule it out, unquote. The GOP doesn't learn. It can't learn. And because of that, we have an unexpected Christmas present. Hope. 538's Harry entered the savant of the polls, put it this way. The cycle that looks most like this one is 2006, when the Democrats gained 30 seats in the in control of the House from the Republicans, thanks to a hefty win in the popular vote across all House races. In 2018, they need 24 seats to win back control of the lower chamber. The difference between the average swing in the special federal elections and the margin of the national vote for the House has averaged just three points since 1994. It has never differed by more than seven points. So even if the Democrats just do seven points worse in the national House vote than 
average swing so suggests so far, they'd still win the National House voice by nine points, which would likely mean they would reclaim a House majority next year, unquote. And I've spent the last year telling you the world is about to fucking end and that everything is awful and the apocalypse is nigh. And it's been a real bummer. And there still is a very good chance that we could all die between now and November of next year or some fucking shit brain will figure out a way to really kill a bunch of people like a white guy with a black gun kills people. But you know, for Allah, and spiral this timid fucking country off into authoritarianism. But right now... We can look out with something that feels like hope. That yes, we can do this. We can take back our country from the forces of moronism, scrape the fetid orange slime out of the White House, and make America sane again. We can look at Alabama and see that when good people do the work, we can stop genuinely evil men. We can look at the fall of the shitty men that once wielded unchecked power to harass, assault, and demean women with impunity and feel like something can be done to stop them. We, after a year of the brutal destruction of the rule of law and the norms of society, can see that all things Trump brought to the table can be wiped off into the trash and we can kick these fuckers out the door and send them off to wherever shithole people like Roy Moore wind up when they're banished from the public. Admittedly, it's probably a palatial estate where they'll reside in indolent luxury are living off their millions, but at least they aren't on fucking TV anymore. And that's something. We have hope. We can hold on to it. Because it's elusive, and more bad shit will happen between now and November. Use that fucking anger and look at the hope to hone the edge and don't give in to despair. Don't start believing that we're doomed because if a fucking Democrat can win in Alabama, a Democrat can win anywhere. It's a Festivus miracle. On Oops! The Podcast, join me, comedian Julio Gallerati, as I examine everyday life, the mistakes, the bad decisions, the goals, the jokes, the social engagements, and all things in between. I'm joined every week by producer and personal confidant, Ryan Lynch, various other comedians for witty, candid, and intoxicating conversation. Our listeners love Oops! for sophisticated banter, aka your mom could listen, and many feel like they're in the room with us chopping it up with old pals. You can find every episode of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. That is it for our raspy-ass show this week. We're coming up on our holiday break here where we uh, will travel to see our families and try not to be smug sons of bitches about what just happened in Alabama. I, uh, I plan on failing. You can look forward to a series of reruns between now and Christmas because uh, if they were lame before, they'll be just as lame now, and that's just the way we like it here. If you would like to share the lameness, perhaps as part of your airing of grievances this year, Rate and review the show on iTunes so that others can find them and maybe inflict them on them as people as a feat of strength. You can find all of my musings on all sorts of holidays on Twitter at the hell underscore podcast or the show name on Facebook. All of the shows are at the show name on SoundCloud and at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, Jolly Dave Bledsoe, producer, I'm Not Your Elf Gavin, and all the other fictional festivist polls on the show, we want to say... Make it one more for my baby and one Republican for the road. We'll see you all in a couple of weeks. It's quarter to three. There's no one in the place except you and me.
set him up, Joe. I got a little story you ought to know. We're drinking, my friend, to the end of a brief episode. So make it one for my baby and one more for. Got a routine, put another nickel in the machine. Feeling so bad, can't you make the music easy and sad? I couldn't tell you a lot, but you gotta be true. To your code, yes. Oh, make it one for my baby and one more for the road. You wouldn't know it, but buddy, I'm kind of a poet and I got a lot of things to say. And when I'm blue. Won't you listen to me until it's all talked away? Well, that's how it goes. And Joe, I know you're getting anxious to close. So thanks for the cheer. I hope you didn't mind my bending your But this torch that I found, well, it's gotta be drowned, or soon it might explode. Yeah, well, make it one for my baby, and one more for.